I think I was about 10 where we had decided to go see the mountains, the Black Hills of South Dakota. And we were in a, we were in a camper that was, it was, it was like a Renault school bus camper that my dad tricked out. It was really cool. And we got up to a point and there were four or five other RVs pulled off and looking confused and we're like, what's going on here? And so my dad pulls over and we, we go walking up and we're looking at it and it's like the only way forward from there was through this cut tunnel straight through the stone in the side of the mountain. And these other RVs that were also pretty good size, they were they were sitting there afraid that they didn't have room to make it through. And my dad's like, well, I, I think, I think I can get through there. Welcome back to another episode of Drive With Us podcast, a podcast where we explore driving cultures around the world by bringing on a new guest each episode to talk about the crazy things they've experienced on the road, who they are as drivers, and how they became the driver they are today. I'm Bafni. And I'm Taryn G. And we have another great driver for you today. Today's driver is Dr. Jeff Williamson from Illinois, who shares with us about the time that they had to squeeze an RV through a tight tunnel and the time he crashed into his teacher's husband's car. Before we dive into a full introduction for Jeff, just a quick reminder that this new season, we now have video. Woo! So if you would like to watch our conversations with Jeff, head on over to the Drive With Us podcast YouTube channel or our Patreon for the full video episodes. The links can be found in the show notes below. And as always, we do truly appreciate all your support and thank you for joining us in the car today, whether it's a literal one or a figurative one, with our guest, Dr. Jeff Williamson. Jeff is an executive coach, author of The Power of 168 Shaping Moments, and father of three young adult children in their 20s, and has been married to his wife for almost 32 years. He has spent most of his career in higher education as an administrator and business faculty member before starting his own company, CMG Group, in 2017. Let's meet today's driver. Welcome to Drive With Us Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's good to be with you. We're so excited to talk to you about all your driving experiences since I know you've been to a bunch of different countries. But before we drive into that, there I go again. You know, I'm already into this driving zone. I'm like, before we drive, mm -hmm. let's get to know a little bit about your background of driving. What are some of the places that you've driven? Where are you currently? I presently live south of Chicago and U.S. And that alone can be an interesting driving experience. I'm, I'm about 45, 50 miles south of the loop, if you're familiar with Chicago. And so the closer you get to downtown, generally the driving gets a little more challenging and the traffic gets a little more crazy. But I've had some different driving experiences as I've traveled for my work in other U.S. cities that just can really have a, a reputation all their own. And when it comes to highway and driving experiences, California is different than Houston, Texas. That's different from Dallas. That's different from Boston and the tunnels and everything. Sometimes it's been fun. Sometimes it's been 
terrifying depending on how people are driving. Those are some hot spots that come to mind in the U.S. And, but I, I've got a couple of experiences in, in other countries, whether I was riding shotgun or trusting someone else with my life. I've had a few harrowing experiences that may come up while we're talking. Before we dive into those experiences, what would you say is your relationship with driving? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Do you prefer being the driver? I'm, I've always had travel being a component of my work. And so I, I'm one of those guys that I'm like, eh, I'm a road warrior. If there's somewhere and it's an eight hour drive away, away I'm like, let's go. So I would be in the category of, I really don't mind driving depending on the environment, it can even be relaxing. Sometimes it's not, but I generally like driving. If I'm in the car with two or three other people, I'd just as soon be driving as riding along. I'm not sure I'm a good ride-along guy because there's no brake on the on the other side. There's no steering wheel, you know. So I like, oh, you know, sometimes. <laughs> so I'd rather have, keep my own life in my own hands. Uh, I guess is the way I would say it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know that feeling sometimes <laughs> where you're sitting in the passenger seat and you're like, oh my God, slow down. Yeah. I was like, what? Curb. You know, sometimes I'll find myself if we're about to have an incident. I'm not a good ride along guy. I'm, I'm a better driver. Have you ever had a situation where you were the passenger and you're like, oh my God, I wish I never got in this car? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was one of my international trips. I'll try not to go way off in backstories, but I was in a Subaru going up the Andes in the rainforests of Northern Peru. The roads were not, when we think of roads, it was not like we would think roads here. It was more like you're driving on a trail kind of. And there were places where it was a tight squeeze and a little skitzy. And as we were one, we were three or four hours, we were in these, in these small four wheel drive vehicles, a group of probably 20 of us going up to, to a project there. And we came to one spot where it literally wasn't wide enough for the car. And we could not get back. We couldn't really back it up and we, we were kind of stuck. And so the, there were some other people that had gotten stuck there and they had actually cut some logs it was like the rain had washed out across this road as it were and and it was so narrow that so they were laying these logs they had cut over the part that had washed out so that we could hopefully drive over them <laughs> there were like six subarus so it was like creeping across that carefully and at one point you, we heard a crack like it was just almost too much but Miraculously, we all slowly got across that and, and, and headed on to where we needed to go. But that was one of the more harrowing experiences I've ever had in a car. And I was not driving because the locals who were less terrified by driving up mountain trails in a car than we were. So probably the only reason we made it was thanks to them. I definitely feel like if you're in that kind of situation in a foreign country, like on a mountain, it's best to leave yeah. the locals. <laughs> right. They were our best hope and they didn't seem too shook up by it, but uh, there were some nervous Americans waiting you know, on the other side because we had to take all our luggage out and everybody had to get out, of course, because we didn't want any more weight on that little 
plank bridge that they was driving over. So it was an ordeal for sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I would be terrified. <laughs> like you guys can cross, I'll stay over here. <laughs> yeah, those kind of experiences make stop and go traffic on the interstate seem a little docile and no big deal. I don't usually have to worry about the road falling out from under me. Now that we've heard one crazy story, let's dive mm, into some other crazy stories. What would you say mm. are your top three craziest experiences? Well, I mentioned one when I was naming some states and cities that have some interesting driving experiences. So 15, 16 years ago, my family and I went out to Southern California, beautiful country, beach, but they tend to have a little traffic there. And so we were there for a week vacation. We rented a car and there was a double thing that was just terrifying and amazing to me was I was used to traffic and I'd driven in most major U.S. cities before. But in California, apparently, I, I found this out like on the fly, it's okay when, when cars are stopped on the interstate or stop and go, it's okay for the motorcycles to come flying between them with a whole four inches to spare on each side, <laughs> each side of, of them between the mirrors on the car. Well, so first of all, it, it was crazy that we're just, we're just stop and go and almost not moving. And, and this guy comes flying by on a motorcycle that alone was death defying, but then he popped a wheelie after he's on his back wheel flying between these cars with almost no clearance on one wheel. And I'm just like, he's going to die. He is absolutely going to die a painful death. <laughs> but he, he kept flying out of sight and at least he lived that day. That was the first and only time that I've had that happen to me on an interstate, especially here in the States. That was just nuts. That was the craziest thing I've ever seen, I think. Or at least one of them. At that point, I feel like he's just showing off like, hey, I can go. Oh, We're stuck. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been bad enough if he was just gone flying by between us as we're sitting there on the interstate. But then he had to pop a wheelie to just show off. And that was nuts. But, hey, he was an outstanding motorcyclist because he didn't kill himself. I think I'd be, uh, I'd be in trouble trying to do that with no cars anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. The fact that he had the courage to do that with like little clearance. I had the feeling it wasn't his first rodeo on the mo on the motorcycling. So I think he he probably had put on that performance more than once. So he didn't seem too worried about it. But man, I was about to I was about to flip my lid. Yeah, I actually experienced that for the first time here in Maryland. I don't think we really mm -hmm. see the motorcycles flying like the way you're describing in California, but we were at a red light and there was like five or six cars in the line. This motorcycle was just like, I'm not sitting in the back of the line. It just moved to the front and just stopped in between two cars. It's like, it's my turn. I'm going to go now. Yeah, yeah, I'm a motorcyclist, but you'll never see me doing that. I just, I, I, I want to live to enjoy riding my motorcycle, not not express any death wish or anything like that. Exactly. What would you say is your second craziest driving experience? That was hard to top. Mm -hmm. the, that and the, and the cracking timber in the rainforest of Peru. Another one that was, probably was was just really frightening. I would put it in that way. I was I was a pretty young boy, probably eight nine years old, 
And my mom and I and one of my brothers were coming home. It was after dark. It was winter time, and this it was this is in Indiana where I grew up. We lived in a, in southern Indiana that that has a lot of hills and valleys, and so the roads are not just this easy straight shot all the time. My mom was driving, and we suddenly hit some ice, and so our car started spinning in circles. Two or three, it seems like 20 when you're in it, but two or three full spins. And then we went over a, an embankment. And as a kid, I mean, anybody, but certainly a kid, it was terrifying. And we, we slid down this embankment and we came to rest against a rock that was in this hillside with plenty of trees nearby. And so whatever you believe about protection and <laughs> something out there bigger than us, we, we just had a feeling that our, our lives had been spared. My poor mom, she, she was terrified trying with two of her four boys in the car. So it was really frightening. And my recollection is once the car came to a stop and we realized we're going to be okay, she just burst into tears because she was so frightened. That was a scary kid reality. And it wasn't because mom or anybody did anything wrong. We were just fortunate there weren't any other cars in the vicinity, but we just hit some ice that had water had run across the road and melt or frozen rather. And man, that was a crazy ride. It's one of those that's just stuck in your mind. I mean, I'm, I'm in my late fifties pushing 60, but I can remember that just like it was recently because that those kind of things are just kind of burned in your brain. Yeah. I have experienced driving on ice before. <laughs> Not fun, man. Mm -mm. Ice is crazy. I've seen someone coming the opposite direction, hit a patch of ice, go onto the shoulder. There was a snow pile. They drove up the snow pile, overcorrected, and came straight at me. And I was oh, like, man. I'm going to die here today. Yeah. Now you're just like, well, it's been a good ride. Here we go. <laughs> you know, I think this is it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we're all grateful that it didn't play out that way. <laughs> <laughs> Has that experience impacted you when you went to go start driving? Well, I, I think so. In fact, when I did start driving my first accident, which wasn't anything serious, but it was driving on ice. 16-year-old, uh, I'd probably had my license a month or less and you, know, you just learn as you go. And I never driven on ice. So I came around a corner a little too quickly and just slid sideways into a parked car on the street. Nobody was in it. Nobody was hurt. But still, that's not a good thing to have your license for a month and have to go home and tell your parents you ran into somebody else's car that they knew. Oh, <laughs> that's worse. And he was mad. <laughs> the old fellow that lived there came flying out of the house and was irate and what some punk kid had run into his car and he was upset with me and he, he knew my, his wife was my fourth grade teacher if it could get any worse, you know, so <laughs> yeah. there was nowhere to hide because they all knew who I was. <laughs> yeah, with ice is kind of hard because it's not like you purposely drove super fast. You can't control that sometimes. It's just there and it happens. I was just a goofball teenage boy, inexperienced, and didn't really think about it until I started going like this <laughs> with no control whatsoever over the car. <laughs>
Have you learned any useful tips for driving when there's ice or snow? Yeah, stay off the brakes if at all possible. Now, the brakes are not usually your friend on ice and that I learned the hard way more than once. Just ease up, slow down, let the accelerator be your friend rather than thinking, oh, well, I can drive like normal and just slam on the brakes. Well, you may end up over, over a hillside like we did that time. Yeah, that's a really good point. You can't drive like a normal sunny day, especially when it's mm. ice on the ground. Well, and 16-year-olds don't seem to realize that. <laughs> At least I didn't. <laughs> yeah. So that's some splaining to do, as we used to say. <laughs> Speaking of, okay, so crazy driving stories, you did mention on your form an incident in South Dakota involving driving through a tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's another boyhood story. I was not driving, thank goodness. I think I was about 10 when and that that scenario was my oldest brother had gotten married in North Dakota and when the wedding was over we had decided to go see the mountains, the Black Hills of South Dakota and some of the beautiful country there. And we were in a we were in a camper that was it was it was like a renoed school bus camper that my dad tricked out it was really cool i could do a whole show just on the bus camper but <laughs> that's for another day so we came up and if you've ever been there or in driving in the mountains it's so steep in places that they, they people call them either hairpin roads or switchbacks. So you, you, you're actually driving across the side of the mountain and then you make a hard turn right and then you're driving straight a while and you make a hard turn left and you just, you hairpin your way up the mountainside. So it's slow going anyway. And we had been driving up the mountainside for, for a long time, it seems like. And we got up to a point and there were four or five other RVs pulled off and looking confused and we're like, what's going on here? First you think, oh, there's been an accident. And so my dad pulls over and we, we go walking up and we're looking at it and it's like, the only way th forward from there was through this cut tunnel straight through the stone in the side of the mountain. And these other RVs that were also pretty good size, they were they were sitting there afraid that they didn't have room to make it through. And if you knew my dad, he, he was very uh, smart. He could figure, calculate. He was a construction company builder. So he could design homes and, and kitchens and all kinds of cool things. So he was, he's one of those guys that he can just, he'll get his tape measure out. So he started measuring the width and the height. And then we walked partway through and measured some more. And it's like the traffic's going nowhere. Eventually my dad had checked the whole stone tunnel out. That was, it wasn't just like 10 feet long. I mean, it was probably, I don't know, 60, 70 feet long once you went into it. And there's no going back here once you, once you go for it. We eased up and those, those other RVs, they were, they were not having it. They're like, no, we're not, we're going to do it. My dad's like, well, I, I think, I think I can get through there. So we eased up 
and I had a brother on each side, like the dog sticking their head out the window, coaching him. And I mean, it was so close that they literally had to be there, like spotters. So dad would ease it up and they'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You need to go left like two inches. And he just ease up. And, and that's how we just slowly worked our way through that. It was so tight at one point that the side mirrors on the bus were going, you know, because we were at that tightest point where it was not going to have any space at all. And so dad stopped and, and you can rotate those mirrors in a little bit. And my brother's head out the window kept slowly siding it. And we just inched forward and inch forward and inch forward. And eventually we made it through the other side. And, and I wish you could have seen the other people on the other side. They started cheering and, and were excited. And pretty soon they, they started coming through. They're like, well, I think we can do that too. So they got in their RVs and one by one, they started easing their way through. So, it, we, you know, and that's a, I mean, I love that story because it can be applied in so many situations where, you know, somebody has to kind of take the risk and, and calculate the cost and, and then you just have to go for it. That was one of our favorite dad stories we love to tell. He's gone now, but that that's one of the family favorites was dad could figure out just about anything as far as we were concerned. And that day he was 10 feet tall. Man, he was the hero. That's crazy. You know, you got to take a little risk to get a big reward. Yeah. And he, he had done the calculations and he, he was pretty sure that, that we could do it. It was going to be tight. I mean, I, like on an RV, you had a rack on top, you know, you put, maybe put bicycles and suitcases and other things like that. We had to unload all that because it was also super close on the top. So we were just inching along both sides and the top, just barely enough to get through. But that's a pretty good family metaphor for us. You can always get through. You just got to figure it out and make some adjustments, but we can always get through that tunnel and get to the other side. Yeah. Just take it slowly and you can make it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do, do your homework, figure it out, move slowly, but move forward and you can get through it. On the flip side, I'd like to know who decided to make that tunnel and be like, no RV's ever going to drive through this. <laughs> that's that's fair. Uh, my guess is this is like in the area of Mount Rushmore, which of course was built over a hundred years ago. My guess is probably at that time, the trucks were just a little smaller and, it, and they were thinking cars and more traditional trucks. I don't think they really pictured 1970s RVs and bigger automobiles, because I mean, I guarantee you, they, I mean, the, the, nobody went up there in a semi truck. It was like signs along the way, these types of trucks, not even allowed. But uh, I, I suspect that once you blast your way a hundred feet or 70 feet or whatever it was through a, a stone mountain, you don't want to go back and remodel too much. <laughs> Oh, we need to add four or five feet on that. Let's go back and blow that up again. Like, mm, no, they can just not go up there, but we did. <laughs> you find a different way. <laughs> yeah, I think if we went back, we would we would probably not go that way. <laughs> yeah, switching gears a little bit, since you have been to so many different places, 
how would you describe the drivers in those different places? Like if you had to profile the drivers in those places, how would you describe them? I've been to several com- countries in South America, love them all, love my brothers and sisters there. I would say they drive a bit more carefree than some Americans. <laughs> when we were on that trip in Peru and I've been Guatemala and I can't even think now, quite a few different countries in that region though. And we, we would chuckle when we were traveling there. If you come to an intersection where two roads cross each other, here in the States, there's either gonna be a, a stoplight or a stop sign. Well, they had stop signs there too, but the the trend was more as I'm, if I'm driving and I'm approaching this four-way intersection, I'm just going to blow my horn loud and, and slow down a little bit so they know I'm coming through. And instead of four-way stop, we just said, those are four-way goes. It's like, you just lay on the horn and just go on through. And, and I never saw anybody hit anybody. So I guess it works. But that's a little scary, too. It's more like, I'm coming through. <laughs> yeah. It's like no pedestrian right away there. It's like, get out of the way. <laughs> they got places to go, man. So that was that was interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that would fly here in the U.S. <laughs> Definitely not. No. You know, there's people that like to run red lights because they think they're in a big hurry and more important, I guess, than the rest of us that are stopping. But by and large, that doesn't happen here. That was just the norm. You just, you'd hear it. You'd hear a horn honking and here they come. They're coming through the intersection. Us Americans just learn to watch, listen, and be careful. I just like, come on through, brother. It's okay. Yeah, I, I'm not in that big of a hurry. I'm not in that big of a hurry and I want to get T-boned just because I was here first. (laughs) (laughs) How would you describe the different drivers in the U.S. from the different places that you've been? There are different levels of tolerance. And by that, I mean, I've been in places and I won't name cities because I I know you'll have a, a wonderful, kind listener that lives in that city and they'll not be happy with me. But but I was in a, a major uh, city, I'll just say in the Southwest, we'll leave it at that. And I mean, I the first time I flew in, I was there for business and I had a rental car. And I am not kidding you, from the time I got from the airport to my hotel, I had been flipped off at least twice. And I literally didn't even know why. (laughs) I don't know whether I wasn't going fast enough. And and I'm a pretty good driver. So I think I would know, oh, my bad. You know, I changed lanes too close or or I forgot to turn on the turn signal. I mean, I literally, people were angry and waving their arms and flying the bird. And I'm like, I don't even know what they thought I did. And other places are to the eastern part of the U.S. I'll just say that. You you live in that region, so you can attest to, to perhaps we're pretty quick on our horns when the light goes from red to green. It's like you get about the count of two and somebody's going to be on it if you don't start moving. I, I've softened some as the years gone by. I've become that guy that I'm just like, if we both come rolling up to a four-way intersection and there's there are stop signs there... I maybe got there first, but I just, I'm like, it's okay. Go ahead. I just, I just wave people through because there's really, I mean, they're not going to be mad at you when you let them go first. Right. And instead of, instead of me letting that affect my frame of reference, I'm just like, 
I'm going to get there five seconds later because I let them go first. And most people will, will wave and say, thanks. And I, I just feel better about that than being like the, the start of a, of a drag race where the light turns green and I got to charge in and it's just not worth it to me. And I've, and I've taught my kids, have three young adult children and they all pretty much do that too. Yeah, I agree. I, I also, if I see someone approaching at a four-way stop, I will go a little bit slower and be like, you got there first, go ahead. Because then you have yeah. an awkward moment of like, yeah. no, you go. It's like, no, seriously, go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I will sometimes do that where I'll just, I, I mean, I would have stopped. It's, it's just like you're saying where I just slowly ease up. So they've stopped and then I stop and so it's clearer that it wasn't a tie and I'm not a jerk. So I'm not going to try to beat him through the intersection. I kind of like being the nice guy driver now. I wasn't always that way. It's also harder when you are letting them go, but they're like, they're trying to let you go. And you're just like, now what? Yeah, I'm like, okay, you know, I'll just both go ahead. <laughs> but if we're both trying to be kind, I'm okay with that. Yes, definitely. Yeah. We need a lot more of that in our world. Oh, yes, yeah. exactly. Especially, I think, on the East Coast. I feel like people are in too much of a hurry. Yeah, I mean, I, w I think we're all guilty of that sometimes. Just when we're hurrying and having those times where we're trying to get ahead of the, the person at the stop sign or get ahead of them at the light. That's really centered on me winning and this mentality that... Well, I've got people to see and places to go. And we get this false sense of importance, self-importance. And it's like, it's okay. I'm just a guy driving. Yeah, I got stuff to do, but the earth is not spinning on what I do in the next 10 seconds. So let it go. It's okay. Well, I'm hoping I'll live a little bit longer because my stress <laughs> levels are down, you know. <laughs> Well, this is a good segue diving into what type of driver you are. So how would you describe yourself as a driver? And would you say that your family and friends would agree with mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure they would agree that the four-way stops, I'm waving people through and I'm generally pretty, pretty considerate that way. Now, true confession is good for the heart. I'm not as good and patient on the interstate. I'm not sure why that is. Maybe it's just because it's higher speed or there more, there's more volume of traffic. But I, I, I'm like most people, I, I have a couple of pet peeves and, and I have to really work at being patient if mm, driving down a two lane interstate and there's a car and the, the speed limit's 70 and I'm going 70 in a little bit, and there's a car just moseying along at about 65 in the left lane. I'm like, people, you can go 65 if you want to, but get over, get over. It, it's not, it doesn't have to be like the Autobahn, but when there's me and six cars behind me because somebody's doing a sing along with their favorite music. And I'm like, come on, you gotta wake up enough to get over. So that's, that's, I'm not the only person that feels that way because I see that all the time. You know, people are like, because somebody's blocking the interstate. So I, I'm sometimes impatient there on the interstate. And especially my wife would tell you, I get a little impatient on the interstate. If I feel like the road could be clearer, the traffic could be moving, if somebody would just have a better awareness of where they're at. 
and that kind of thing. So I'm not a road rage guy or anything. So I don't like bump them or, or do anything terrible like that. I'm just like <clears throat> talking to myself in the car sometimes. <laughs> I don't flip people off. I don't, in fact, and this kind of goes back to the four way stop thing. If, if somebody thinks I've done something wrong, maybe I have. If, if they're irate or they're giving me the eyeball as they go by, I'll just smile and kind of give them a Forrest Gump wave. Hi. Sorry, my bad. I mean, why climb the ladder with him? You know, I'm just like, hi, sorry. Yeah, I, I screwed up there. You're going to have to be mad alone because I don't want to do it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not participating in that. <laughs> People don't know what to do when they're angry and you just smile and go. <laughs> yeah. It's my weird sense of humor. I'm just like, that's more fun than just giving it back to them. You can, you can confuse them out of anger. Yeah, they're like, a lot of times they're like, and they just go on because they don't know what to do. It's like, you're not being angry back at angry me. And so they just keep driving. You know? I'm like, see ya. <laughs> I got nothing to be ashamed of. Speaking of left lane, I know a lot of states, well, I don't know if a lot, but I know a couple mm. of states have laws where like yeah. you're not allowed to drive in the left lane unless mm -hmm. you're passing. Maryland does not have that law, therefore... Drivers love mm -hmm. sitting in the left lane. Is that the same place in like Illinois? Yeah, the, I I believe that Indiana. I lived. I just live about thirty minutes from the Indiana Illinois line, so I'm frequently from where I am going down Indianapolis. I I believe there is an Indiana law that you can be pulled over if you're creating a a hazard, delaying the traffic. But I don't have a feeling that that many people are getting pulled over for that. When it first came out, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago, I think they, they, they tried. It was publicized that this is a new law and you need to get over and you can be stopped and given a warning or a ticket. Illinois definitely doesn't have a law like that that I know of. <laughs> it's a good intention to give it a try and say, hey, people, move over. But I just don't think it really is going to help. Yeah, I just wonder because I was so amazed we drove up to Boston for the first time. And I don't know, the drivers are just so trained, I guess, especially in like New Jersey area that they go in the left lane, and then they all just move over. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> what is going it's, it's on? A, it's a beautiful thing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm just like, all right. It seems like it's like one out of five drivers that are in the left lane seem to understand that. But God bless New Jersey if they're they're doing a good job with that. Shout out to New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rarely anywhere where I feel like they're really aware of that. In terms of other drivers and road rage and all that, <laughs> <laughs> would you consider yourself someone who honks or like a honker? I used to be worse about being a honker, and I've really been working on that. Like if I'm at a stop sign, or I'm in a stoplight where if somebody's looking at their phone and the light turns green, I literally will like start counting in my head so that I'm aware to not be too fast. I'll be like, one, two, three. And about, by about three or four, if they still haven't moved, I'll just do one of the little boom. I don't, I don't lay on it or just blast them. I'll just go boom, boom. Maybe they're like, oh. No, sorry. So I've gotten better. That's been an area of growth for me. I, I I used to be a horn guy more than I am these days. I feel like we all have those moments. I do. It's like, 
Come on, man, bro. You gotta, you gotta drive. If you want to read your phone, pull over and read it for hours. I don't care, but don't do both of them on the road. You did hint at this earlier, but mm-hmm. what would you say is your biggest driving pet peeve? It's a, it's a close, close race between the, the slow drivers in the left lane and the people driving eighty five who are absolutely totally on their phones and doing the up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down and driving way over the speed limit where, I mean, I sincerely just think you're going to kill somebody. It's one thing to be a knucklehead and be going 65 and a 70 just because you don't like to drive fast. I'm like, get over. But I, I really do have a sensitive spot when I see the high speed drivers who are obviously more engaged with their phone than they are driving at that point it's like if you don't want to if you want to be on your phone don't drive <laughs> right i mean i i could get in a lot of troubles given other perspectives on that but that that really concerns me when i see that i know you mentioned you don't get road rage yourself as <laughs> as much have yeah. you ever had an instance of road rage of where someone had it towards you I probably have. Thankfully, it's probably not been any time recently because I'm a little more patient than myself, although I've got room to grow. But I suppose we go back to that Southwest city where somebody's tailgating you and honking their horn and flipping you off and yelling at you. And I'm like, sorry, I didn't see you, bro. My bad. But I've never really had where somebody's like bumping me and, and, and swerving in front. And if I see somebody that's going down that pathway, I just ease back on the speed and just try to create, let them, let them have some distance between them and me. Cause I, I, I don't, I don't have any interest in that. It's just silly. Somebody's going to get hurt. I agree. I don't see the point that it's not helping anyone. No. And I do get frustrated. And a lot of people get frustrated at different settings when they're driving. But when it, when it gets at that level, I'm just like, I'll, I'll, I'll either exit the highway or I'll just ease back the speed to where they're not going to go that slow <laughs> so they can circle back and be mad at me. <laughs> yeah. Just give them their space. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, who knows what's going on in their life and they maybe got in the car with a really bad situation at home or they just got fired from work and it's not it's not totally something I did that's just like that was the last straw and I happened to be in the way. So I just try to give them the space to move on and not engage. How would you describe your actual driving test experience? Because I was able to have that driver's ed course, I think we had uh, something like 15, 20 hours behind the wheel with an instructor on the other side. And he actually, it was a car actually built for that. It had a steering wheel and a brake over there on the other side. So he could save us from impending doom if he had to. But I think, I think I just hit a certain number of hours of driving. And, and just once we had successfully completed the required hours of driving, I didn't have to actually go and do a, t- a driving test at the license bureau. I was just able to take the, the certificate. I completed this driver's education course at the high school, gotten the hours that are required. And so I just went to the driver's branch and got my my new driver's card and away I went. Oh, wow. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know now that that's so much an option. I think when my son started driving, we did like a summer driving school and it was kind of similar to that where if you did the classroom and the hours of driving and all the checked all those boxes, then you could basically, I think in that driver's education, they pretty much did the driving test of parking and stop and start. So they kind of farmed that out to the, to the schools and the driver's education companies. That's interesting. So at our driver yeah. said, we only got six hours with the driver's instructor. And I wouldn't, I don't think I would trust if you just did driver's ed and got your license here, because I feel like they don't yeah. teach it as well. And it doesn't really test uh -huh. your skills as opposed to like when you go in the actual driver's test. But seems like you got more hours on the road with the instructor. So it was a little different. Did you have to go actually to the driver's branch and do a test drive there with someone? Yeah. And they also had, they had like reverse parking, forward parking, parallel parking, all of it. Yeah. Now you don't have to worry about parallel parking if you have a newer car. <laughs> Speaking of newer cars, the possibility of self-driving cars becoming a thing. What are your thoughts on self-driving cars and would you get in one? I, I'm not so much afraid of the technology as I just, I like driving. So I don't know. I would, I would probably be someone to be like, well, I don't want to just ride <laughs> if we're going to be in a car going somewhere. I, but I like the fact that the technology has enhanced safety so much that if you get lane drift or it'll automatically break if you're getting too close to someone. I mean, I like some features like that where I can, I can be driving and then if I want, I could, that cruise control might be more than just like the controlling the speed of the car. So I think I would kind of enjoy a mix of that just because I don't totally want to just like sit back and take a nap and wake up and I'm there. I, I'm, I'm, change is hard. So I think it would take some getting used to, but man, I mean, Domino's is delivering pizzas. So how bad could it be? Right. <laughs> I don't know if I'm prepared to that. Um, yeah, I was kidding. I've lived long enough to see a lot of cool stuff and new technology that's pretty commonplace now that wasn't even imagined 20 years ago or 10 years ago. One of my life mantras is never say never because I just don't have all the information of what life's going to be like in five, 10 years. And so I might say, I'll never get in one of those cars. But I mean, with the technology continuing to emerge, they might be safer than us humans driving. I don't know. I don't know that I, I've seen enough to be confident of that, but I, I think it's coming. I mean, the Wright brothers were nutcases for a long time, right? Until they did fly. And then it was like, well, yeah, people fly all the time now. What's the big deal? Yeah. Eh, I'm not saying first time in flight is the same thing as a self-driving vehicle. But you, you see that what I'm saying is like, there are things that we can't envision right now. And because of that, we might tend to be a little nervous about it, but that doesn't mean that it might not be a really safe, secure option in the future. So, so I, I just never say never. We'll see. Yeah, I agree. I, I would have to see it in action, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We learn from experience when we see, I'd probably be one of those guys if, if I could get in a, a self-driving car and have it take me around the Indianapolis 500 for a few laps with two or three other self-driving cars. And if I do that, I'm like, well, nothing went wrong there. 
that's kind of like driving down the interstate. So I think we progress. A lot of times we learn progressively and we get comfortable with things progressively to where if we can kind of try them out and see and like, well, that wasn't so bad. I mean, that's part way there when we have cars that are self-braking that self-correct or if we drift out of our lane or whatever. I mean, that's, that's partly self-driving technology right there because it helps us have a safer driving experience. So I suppose at some point they can just figure it all out. Bonus question time. Are you ready? Oh, here it comes. Drum roll. <laughs> if you could make one new driving law, what would it be? I think that it would go back to that whole left-hand lane thing. If, if we could, if it would really happen that, that the, the, the pace in that passing lane could really truly only be people passing cars and not someone just lost in the radio. I think that one would, that would improve my life. That's a pretty easy one, I guess, but that, that would be a big one because that's, that's one that I still have to work at to be patient. Yeah. It would, it would have to be enforced more in order for it to work. Right. That's the key. There are laws now for that, but if you could like find some way for self-driving cars to have a component that they have a sensor behind them and if there's a car, if they're holding up a car behind them, then it would automatically accelerate and pass and pull over. Maybe that's a better answer is merging, get out of the left lane with self-driving technology and the car could sense that you're holding up 10 cars behind you <laughs> <laughs> and get you out of the way safely. <laughs> so then like, in the meantime, happening? we need to figure out what New Jersey is doing or what the Northeastern drivers are doing <sighs> when they actually yeah. move over. Yeah. I mean, maybe they're just good people and they just have figured out that life's better when you get over and don't block the passing lane. But oh, folks here in the Midwest haven't seemed to figure that out too much yet. So uh, we've got some things to learn from our friends in New Jersey. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts or any tips that you would like to give other drivers? Be patient, be kind. I, I have to work at that one. It's not about me, whether it's driving or anything else. It's somebody's mom, dad, brother, sister, and it's not worth hurting or killing somebody so that you think you, you should get there faster. So I, I have to remind myself that too. It's like, eh, it's, it's probably not going to matter if you get there five minutes later, because if you don't get there at all. So yeah, Jeff needs to work on patience and kindness too. So I'm not uh, prescribing a, a prescription that I don't need. I agree with that. Because everyone, it's not like just you who has something going on. Everyone has something going on and you never know. Right. So. right. And maybe they are really, maybe someone they love is sick and they are racing to a hospital. So get over, <laughs> get out of the left lane so they can get that, that family member to the hospital. Before we let you go, where can listeners mm -hmm. find you if they want to connect with you? Sure. My business is CMG Group Incorporated and the, the website is Coach mentorguide.com and I do executive coaching and people development and uh, a lot of one-on-one -on -one work, uh, training, teaching with corporate organizations, small group, those kinds of things. So they can go to coachmentorguide.com, check it out, learn about what we do and how to connect if they'd like to have a conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was really fun talking with you about your crazy driving experiences. <laughs> 
Yeah, I've had I've laughed a lot this last hour or so. So y'all have been fun and thanks for having me. Jack was such a sweet person to talk to. I loved how kind and caring he was of other drivers and that he didn't want to outright point names of which types of drivers he saw in which cities and states. He was just like, if you're from that area, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. My favorite part <laughs> was that not necessarily about states, but like how he was kind to all drivers, even if someone is super angry or has road rage or is like trying to like give them the eye or something. He'll just like smile and give them a Forrest Gump wave like, hi, <laughs> have a great day. I'm yeah, not angry. I feel like that would, if someone is angry and they see that, I feel like it would calm their anger down you know even if just a little bit because if you see something unexpected then you're like it like takes that anger away for a little bit and then you're like wow i don't really need to be this mad about the situation i i mean some people i feel like like he said would just be confused like wait what why are you not mad also like huh and then just be like confused as they drive by you and hopefully then they calm down but like i feel like confusion would probably be the first Thing that goes over people oh yeah and his advice at the end was something that was just so powerful about that you should learn to be patient when you're driving because you never really know who's in that car that's like beside you in front of you behind you and to not take your aggression out on those drivers because again it could be someone's mom dad brother or sister and it's like a good lesson to learn that next time you are in a stressful situation on the road just to remember that that other person in that car is also human and life can get crazy for everyone. So you don't know what they're going through. You might be going through a rough time and they might be having a good time right now. Like it doesn't justify you to put your anger on that other person who has no idea what is going on in your life right now. Exactly. And he was also big enough to admit like, you know, even he himself has to work on some things like honking, that being the first reaction, but like we all can improve and just be better. And maybe just do just wave at someone if they're angry and maybe they, maybe they won't be mad back at you. Or just make it common practice just yeah. to like throw in a wave here and there on your daily commute. It might make someone say. Well, that was Dr. Jeff Williamson. We hope you enjoyed hearing his driving stories. And be sure to stay tuned until the end of this episode to hear a sneak peek of next week's episode with driver Chris. Who shared about the time that he hitchhiked in Nepal got his van stolen in Australia, and much more. Thank you for tuning in this week. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support the show by sharing it with your friends, subscribing, or leaving us a review. It truly does help us get discovered. Thank you for choosing to drive with us, and we'll see you next week. I did go to Australia, and I bought... Well, first I worked a wine harvest, and then when I finished the wine harvest, I bought a van, and it was a... 1990s Ford Econoline. It was one of those commercial vans and it had manual steering and it was a manual gear shift. I don't know how to talk about cars, <laughs> but it was a manual and, and I didn't know how to drive that. And so I have this really funny memory of taking it to a mechanic and the mechanic gives me the keys and I'm trying to drive it out of the parking lot and I keep stalling it. And the mechanic's just with his <laughs> arms crossed looking at me like, uh, are you sure, man? And I was like, no, it'll be cool. It's cool. And I just kept driving, rolled it out of the mechanic shop, went to a roundabout and just kept rolling it through like, no, I can't stop. Everybody make way for me.